podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's the penultimate pod before Christmas, and all through the list, managers will be asking, should I stick or twist? Of course, the prices will continue to rise and fall as people hit confirm on that week's big call. And whilst they're snuggled on Christmas night, asleep after a great time, their alarms will be on for 11.20, so it's not a missed deadline. Yes, it's the final uh, proper pod before we go off. I think we might do a quick one next week, maybe on Sunday. But yeah, for the final proper podcast of the season, we're joined by the folkiest of all folks in the drunk tank on Saturday morning, all the way to our pod uh, here on uh, on Monday evening. Great pleasure again to be joined by Mark at FPL General. Welcome, mate, and it was great meeting you in person on Friday. Yeah, great, great to pod again, and yeah, Friday Friday was excellent. It was my first proper big FPL meetup, so really enjoyed it. Uh, great to meet so many, and just about recovered now to be able to record and, and got my voice back now. <laughs> Yeah, it's great to have you on the uh, pod again, Mark, for what seems to be um, a bit of a festive tradition now. And yeah, it was great to, to see you at the Xmas um, drinks as well, which was a fantastic gathering, really good chance to meet lots of the community and also uh, quite an eventful night. So uh, just to say who we are, we are, of course, who got the assist. Um, you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore or at WGTA underscore Nick. And if you don't follow General here, um, it's at FPL General. Um, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever you'd like to get the pods. So what are you? Uh, what are we talking about on this week's pod, Tom? Well, uh, in what's likely to be an overflowing stocking of a pod with uh, Mark on, we're going to be getting the general's advice on whether loyalty or riskiness, promiscuity perhaps in FPL, is the route to success this season. We'll of course look at the liver blank and provide some sage words on Christmas FBLing to be the stuffing for the pod. And of course, there's market forces, the over 30s, dad watching this and the questions. Thanks so much for those. But as we've just inferred, the first thing to say is thank you so much to everybody who came last Friday. As Nick said, it was a very uh, eventful night. Uh, lots went on, lots of people meeting for the first time in person. And uh, even your dad went, Nick, as well. Did he enjoy himself? Yeah, he did. So yeah, he, he turned up for a few hours before it got too messy anyway. Um, yeah, and he said he really enjoyed meeting the community and and chatting um, to everyone about FPL and he, he learned a few tips as well which um, he appreciated so yeah he was it was great for him to come along as well and meet the community as well um, so yes shall we start with those game week reviews um, Mark um, General as the guest would you like to go first um, how did your game week go how's your season going it was a good game week um, I think I'm going to finish on roughly about 77 points depending on how many bonus points Zaha can pick up I expected them to get zero but it looks like you might get one or two so fingers crossed there so all in all a very good game week uh, I think I've probably going to go from about 342k to hopefully just inside the top 200k so really happy if that if that does happen got the wild card to play at some point over Christmas which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about I need to try and avoid playing a a drunken Christmas wildcard disaster. So, yeah, overall, great game week. There's only the only players who, who really didn't deliver for me were, were Tammy Abraham, Deli Ali, and Martin Kelly tonight. So, held on to De Bruyne, had Mane, Lundstrom, uh, and Zaha's points were very sweet tonight because about you know twenty minutes twenty minutes to go in the game, I was really had mentally sold them uh, ahead of game week eighteen. But that goal might just survive them from from the chop, man. 
Uh, no, it was never in doubt, Mark. It was never in doubt. <laughs> I, I strongly deny, categorically deny any uh, accusations that I was thinking of selling him or tweeted about selling him indeed. Um, if I had one wish, I think at the end of that game, it was that's a hard goal to go in. And yeah, I, I, same as you, celebrated that pretty hard, actually. I think I did my back in <laughs> celebrating that. Um, but yeah, um, so it sounds like you're doing well, Mark. I'm not very far behind, actually. 75 points this week, depending on, uh, again, how Zaha has done. And that should take me up to inside the top 300k, um, which isn't too bad. I've been kind of treading water a bit, um, and I've had a very kind of achingly template team. So getting those differential points in has been very, very good. I did, however, take a minus four this week to buy Rashford, um, which obviously didn't go particularly well because I sold Jimenez to do so. Um, and it's a negative seven swing, and I think I got away with it looking at the highlights because Jimenez was taking a lot of shots in that uh, Wolves-Spurs game. We own De Bruyne, Lundstram, TAA, Pope at the back with a clean sheet, the patience payoff clean sheet, and Vardy captain, not doing very much. But yeah, 75, not bad at all. And finally, Nick, how did you do? Uh, so yeah, I was pretty happy with um, my score this week. Not as high as you guys, but uh, I got a 69-pointer um, this week. Um, so yeah, pretty happy with that. Um, I think Vardy got the 10-pointer captain. Obviously, De Bruyne sort of being the main man for all of us with the 19 points. And the uh, Lord Lundstrom, he's my shepherd. He uh, leadeth my team at the back. So uh, quite happy with his 11-pointer there with um, Trent as well, 6-pointer in defence, Mane 6-pointer and Jimenez. A five-pointer. So, yeah, pretty reasonable, around 120k now overall rank. So I'm quite happy with that at this stage of the season. Yeah, it sounds like we're all at quite a decent platform, which is a big contrast to where, well, Mark, you and I definitely were at this time last year. An absolute uh, train wreck of a season last year. Hopefully it will not follow suit this year. <laughs> right. Uh, so this, this week then, it's about loyalty and promiscuity in FPL. I think that's interesting to talk about because uh, this week, obviously, with Kevin De Bruyne returning that 19-pointer, there was much, uh, much sadness among sellers um, and much jubilation amongst people who have kept patience with him. There have been lots of examples of this sort of uh, dynamic paying off one way or the other. For example, keeping Tammy versus selling him for Rashford or maybe something like buying Wolf Sahar in for the Mason Mount. Uh, there's lots of examples perhaps of where patience slash riskiness has definitely come into the equation of something to, that we should be looking at in terms of uh, what we do. And I think the default position, it's fair to say, is patience for a lot of people. Um, whenever you do kind of think, oh, I'm going to take a risk, and whether you do, when you do kind of start discussing the fact you're taking a risk, I, I think that a lot of people do look at it and just think, well, you know, patience has been the key for so many years. Why should I kind of uh, sub out of that, I suppose? And Mark, you've been definitely uh, somebody who's... Uh, Notoriously, very, very patient. Uh, do you think that that's still the, still the case, and it's still the key to success, or have there been instances this year when risks have definitely been uh, luring you? You know what? It's a, it's a very good question. It's something I've been thinking about quite a lot recently, and I actually spoke to a lot of people about this at the at the meetup on Friday as well. So yeah, as you say, I've always been notoriously patient and very boring. You know, late transfers and, and probably holding on to players longer than others would. Um, you know, Zaha is a good example. I was very People were very tempted to ship him out after after two bad game weeks, and he's come good now, now for us. I have to admit as well, you know, I mentioned it on, on last week's podcast that for the first time this season, I was starting to waver a little bit on, on Kevin De Bruyne. But at the same time, I, I always felt that before before an Arsenal fixture just wasn't the right time to do so. But um, it's 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 been a case this season where you know probably quite often this season that the more aggressive managers who are maybe more willing to act quickly on bandwagons and maybe more more inclined to take a few hits than I am. I think I've only taken two so far this season. Quite often it's been rewarded this season. Um, but, you know, who's to say if that's going to be the case in the second half of the season? But, you know, going back to, to your question is, you know, is that the right way to play now? Or, or, you know, can you win FPL? 
doing playing the way I play. And part part of me thinks, you know, maybe you can't. And and part of me, even though you know, as long as I played the game seriously, I've played it the same way, and it's been very easy to do so because I've had a couple of very successful seasons. But th- there is there is part of me. There's there's something niggling inside me uh, for, for next season is to, is to change things up and and. And just try something different. Have have maybe an experimental season where where I do play more aggressive. Maybe make earlier transfers. Be you know be take a few more hits than I, than I usually would, and, and just see what happens. And just to weigh it up against you know a season like this season or some of my previous seasons. So I definitely do think you know I always say there's no right or wrong way to play the game, but I think I think it is very hard to win FPL overall by by playing my very patient, boring approach. Yeah, I'm kind of like you, Mark, actually. I've had um, sort of more of a patient approach to my game. I've only taken two hits so far this season as well, which um, I was quite surprised by, to be honest. I I felt like um, I'd taken more hits than that to see only two. And the last time I actually took one was back in game week four, believe it or not. Um, Applying that sort of patient approach generally has worked for me. I found that whenever I've sort of taken a gamble, taken a risk, and, you know, inevitably I always sort of crack at one point and say, right, you know what, I'm I'm getting a bit bored here. I want to experiment a little bit, play a few risks. And I I did that a few weeks ago as well with a sort of a Trent Alexander-Arnold captain. Uh, which didn't pay off. Um, I found that it's always kind of blown up in my face personally and it's never really worked. So I have found that the patient approach always seems to work for me. And whenever I want to try and do something a little bit different, a little bit more exciting, it tends to kind of not work for me. And uh, I know Tom's kind of a little bit more kind of itchy trigger finger than I am. He likes to to make a lot of changes. He likes to take hits. He likes to take risks. Um, Typically, um, you know, historically, he used to do very well. Since we started the podcast, I've, I've managed to beat him. But, you know, I think it's um, – I know Tom like, likes to take a few more chances than I do. And sometimes, you know, it hasn't worked out for him in the past. I don't know, I don't know what you think about that, Tom, in terms of your strategy and, and what you prefer. I just I, – I, I sometimes just can't sit back and not take the risk. Like, this is why I write all the over-management stuff, for example, and obviously compare myself with, with managers like Mark because at the end of the day, I want to try to – coach myself teach myself into uh, being more patient with my players but then again there are things like you know when Vardy a few weeks ago was playing was playing Arsenal I didn't own him but I saw the fixtures to come and thought well I've got to take a hit here I've got to get him in I to give him the captaincy as well that sort of uh, risky kind of maneuver at that point like you didn't bring him in that week did you Nick but I kind of no I didn't that was a mistake yeah. yeah and that did work that week but then even with patience, there's a, sometimes a bit of a fraught road there. Like sometimes you could think you're giving future you a gift, but actually you're, well, I mean, with Tammy, for example, I could have gotten rid of him a few weeks ago. I mean, he did get about 12 points versus uh, Aston Villa, but I mean, he hasn't returned other than that, I don't think, in the last five game weeks, which is, yeah, it's not very good compared to your record with Rashford. Uh, but then again, this week with De Bruyne, a positive example of how patience can pay off. So sometimes it is very difficult to see uh, whether aggression is a good thing and because there are always anecdotal examples of what's happening i guess at the start of the season is one time the night when this particularly kind of comes to mind for me because obviously big at the back was something that we we're all looking at at the start of the season and um, you know we all went into the season with a pretty hefty defense and i think people who repositioned early on found themselves with maybe not necessarily more points early but huge team value early because the value related game appears to have kind of gone towards that stronger at the stronger in midfield and stronger up front um, and people who are planning ahead to the next template, people who are, bit, who are able to react to the fact that how we started didn't work particularly well when we landed, appear to have gotten ahead a little bit further. So, I mean, in terms of the hits, I've, before the Zaha goal went in, I'd pretty much mentally written him off. He was out of my team and I'd, I had Ali in that spot. 
now I'm kind of thinking, do I kind of, uh, you know, stick to it, take the calculated risk or has that bought Zaha some time? Because I said, if he doesn't score, then he's gone. He has scored and he has hopefully got a couple of bonus. So it's, it's a bit of a tough, it's a bit of a tough thing. Like Mark, at this, at this point then, I mean, you said as well off, off camera that you were looking to maybe move him on. Like, what does the goal do to your thought process? Because to me, it kind of makes me think, you know, I could hold him, but I'm still leaning towards the Sun Upland of moving Ali in and having that sort of Ali Sun double up. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, you know, both of us were, were talking earlier before the Zaha goal went in and, and we were both, we both already had him sold in our minds for game week 18. And, you know, a goal, a goal does a lot uh, for, for when one of your FPL players scores a goal. It, it changes your thinking a lot, but really we should be asking ourselves, should it change our thinking? Because Zaha has been pretty awful the last three games. You know, he's, he's had, he's had very few shots. Crystal Palace just never looked like scoring. So, I mean, it's a case of does the goal get by him another game week in my case, because I think I'm probably going to wildcard in game week 19. So in my case, it's probably easier to keep him because it's, it's a one week punt essentially. But I, I th- the goal probably shouldn't do enough for us to keep him. You know, if if people like yourself can get to Delhi Alley or, or, or people like Jack Grealish, I, I think you probably take the points and run now, just judge on Zaha. Even on tonight's performance, you know, you, that goal came out of absolutely nowhere. He just scored a worthy from nothing. And you don't want to be relying on your players to, to score worthies. You'd rather see him get four or five, you know, decent chances during the game. So, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one now with Zaha, I think. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think the initial sort of um, justification for buying him was the, the talisman ship that he seemed to represent. Uh, we thought that he would do that. He, he'd be the guy who would make the difference who'd score the goal. Uh, but I think you're right in the context, as we said way back with Adam Hopcroft when he was on the pod, the context of watching the game is so important there because that was his only shot, I think. I don't know if he had another one when I was setting up, but that that was it. Um, if he didn't score that well, we'd both be sitting here with twos and you know, we'd both be saying we're getting rid of him straight away. So um, I think it is sometimes, as you say, when, when the goal does go in, you think, oh, maybe I should give him one more week. It feels like kind of good practice, quote unquote. But I, I just see opportunity there. And I see people who've got Zahar who will think, oh, right, I'm, I'm going to keep him now. So I can steal a march on them by bringing Ali in now. I, but that thinking has led me down some pretty poor paths before, for example, selling Salah last year. But selling Zaha, selling Salah, not quite apples and apples, is it, Nick? No, I don't think so. And you, you can sometimes be a victim of the fixture schedule. So sometimes with like a player like Zaha, you look at his next four and you think, actually, I kind of want him for all those games because he might do something about any of those opponents. He's got Newcastle, West Ham, Southampton, Norwich. And then Arsenal up next. So you kind of look at that fixture and actually he looks like a decent player for the next five. But we have seen with some of these players that you can um, keep too much faith in them. And you have seen some sort of contrasting examples, as you said, Tom. You know, we talked about some of the positive examples of, you know, keeping faith in players and, you know, like some Madison for me and De Bruyne as well. But um, you've also got the examples of owners that, that kept Pookie, for instance, or, or kept Callum Wilson. And, and, you know, they've been on some sort of horrendous runs of blanks over the, the course of this season. So there's been a few players that, you know, getting rid of them and getting on other players that were doing well at the time, like Tammy Abraham or Vardy or Jimenez, uh, really paid off in terms of sort of changing up your, your forward line around that sort of game week seven, game week eight period. So um, I think there are cases where players, you know, they do come into form, um, you know, like De Bruyne, for instance, this, this week's absolutely smashing it for, for his managers. and. Um, Raheem Sterling sort of finally showing up um, after quite a series of, of blanks, but, but still being sold. But then there's there's other cases where, you know, like to Madison, for instance, I had a lot of patience in this guy and then suddenly he started really banging it uh, for me. So it, it kind of is, you know, you get some cases 
where some players really show up the other other cases where you know it's, it's, it's time to get rid and I think some players like De Bruyne you, you know that he's a class player he's, he is going to deliver on the big stage and especially with Manchester City as well you know they, they are the team with the most goals with 44 they are the team with the most goal attempts with 337 and and Kevin De Bruyne's created 60 chances which is 33% more than any other midfielder so the, the stats said this guy's a player you want to keep but you know, with some of these other players, you know, like like Sir Callum Wilson, he's probably sensible to get rid because he plays for like a, a much smaller club compared to Manchester City. Being able to look at look at the numbers in context as always is, is so important because for every Kevin De Bruyne, there's a Tadic or something like that who's producing the volume without producing any of the actual end product. Um, and certainly kind of getting lucky at the, at, with, with kind of uh, <laughs> making decisions on that is key, isn't it? Yeah, I think you mentioned um, when we were talking about Zaha Affair about the fact that um, the players he's playing alongside made a big impact in terms of the, ga- um, the game. He may be the talisman, but when he passes to the likes of Jordan Ayew, when he passes to the likes of Max Meyer, and they, they can't do anything, they can't do the one-two with him, it, it just doesn't work out for him and he just can't deliver even if the fixtures do look enticing. Cool. All right. Um, so I guess in, in terms of loyalty versus promiscuity, I, I, I think it was, it's a bit of a false binary in some ways. It's actually just very situational and it's always about the luck. Like with Rashford this week, my uh, my buy and Jimenez the, Jimenez the sale. Um, a few people said, oh, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't have done that this week. But it's just one of those that sometimes you could be made to be looking absolute fool. Uh, if, if it doesn't quite work out other times you can maybe just look an absolute genius and it's just one of those that didn't didn't quite happen but I, just, I still think it there are kind of some huge examples you know selling Salah last year or um, you know selling um, Aguero before a hat trick a couple of years ago something like that um, th- those things do weigh in people's minds they are the, the most available information uh, which can mean that people do uh, uh, sometimes walk away from the calculated risk even if it is perhaps a good idea to sell on Sterling is a great example of that. Right. Uh, so in terms of sticking or twisting, this week offers us a very good example to talk about it because it's the liver blank coming up. Uh, I had a few questions about this. FPL Sponge, who we met at the FPL meetup, uh, Baderi Cracker, Rahul uh, Mahensaria, all asked, um, is selling Liverpool assets a good idea? And uh, my FPL strategy also says, what do we do if we have free assets? So, I mean, in terms of your Liverpool players, guys, what are you doing with them? Liverpool's a real tricky one um, because because after the blank it's, it's it's a tough run of fixtures you know Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield United, and Spurs. It's it's probably going to be that toughest decision I have to make when I when I play my wild card in game week nineteen is which of them do I keep and how many of them do I keep? I've got Manny and Trent at the moment. Uh, I think I'm probably going to sell Manny this week just for a one week punt on, on someone uh, probably Youngman's son. That gives me the at least the wild card then gives me the choice of whether I want to go for Manny or Salah then, which is a nice position to be in because Salah's been looking great again last couple of weeks, and um, so he may he may win over 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 Manny when it comes to my wild card. Trent is the big one because if I want to if I want to go with you know a, a powerful front seven, which is which is quite common, uh, you know the template at the moment, I'm, I, because I'm a very patient manager, my, my team value is is, is lower than most. I don't even know what it is because because I very rarely look at it. At a guess, it's probably only about 103. It's definitely not 104. So in that case, I probably have to cut a few corners and Trent is probably the, one of the ones that I'll be really weighing up. He's a player I've kind of said all season is a season keeper because I don't really look at, it, look at him as a defender. He's, he's a winger. If he gets uh, if he gets you know a clean sheet, it's a bonus almost because he gets so many attacking returns. So I think it's a really tough one. Um, it's probably even tougher if you don't have a wild card. 
I, I think I think one of Salah or Mane is important. Uh, yes, the fixtures are tricky, but they are the best team in the league. You know, they're scoring plenty of goals. Um, so I definitely think I wouldn't want to be without one of those two. I don't think it even matters too much which one you have. I, I don't think there'll be too much difference in scoring, uh, you know, over the next five or six game weeks between those two. But defensively, it's really tricky. I think there's a there is a case to be made for for going without as well if it allows you to have, you know, a powerful attack. Yeah, certainly. It's it's hard to overlook Trent, isn't it? Though, like if you look at any of the numbers, he uh, in terms of the the attractive ones, FPR managers, he's absolutely bossing them. For example, top of chance created over the last five and twenty one. Uh, absolutely crazy for a defender. That said, he's the one, uh, and in agreement with you, Mark, the one that I would be looking to sell, and I indeed am looking to sell, just because I want to pour, well, Zaha, if he's going to stay or go, I'm not sure, um, but I want to pour money forward now. It just feels like the value really has moved into the midfield, into the attack. And um, the defence does look a bit like an area that I can access those funds, smash the cash cow, because to be honest, Soyonchu, Rico, Lundstram, Kelly, plus one, Sounds crazy, doesn't it? If, if you said that to me before game week one, that these people would be propping up my Christmas, I'd think that you're absolutely crackers. But the reality is that that seems to be a very strong setup that a lot of people do own just to cover your back. And then going forward, you can pour in a lot of cash. So I'm looking at the Son Ali double up, Kevin De Bruyne and Mane in midfield and the VAR up top. I think that looks very, very strong and really suits uh, the fixtures we're about to see. Um, but I agree with you with Mane as well. I think owning one of them, you're not going to captain them. And I can see why the justification for many is I'm not going to captain them. Therefore, I'm going to take uh, uh, Ali in and have three, four million difference. Um, but I'd be very worried to go without a player like that. And I always kind of think I'm going to have to turn back on myself and buy that player in anyway. Uh, so, so why sell? Um, I, I don't really see that I'm going to get too much advantage out of that because I can make some other um, kind of alterations around the side. Nick, what do you reckon? So I think uh, for me, I'll probably play to the character. I'm actually probably going to keep both um, my two Liverpool assets. I'm probably going to not sell either over the course of the liver blank. And, uh, you know, bring him back for game week 19, fresh and ready to, to perform again for my team. Because I think one thing probably is to note is, is the, obviously the sell value. It sounds a bit obvious, but if you own Mane, you know, start of the season and you sell him, then you're essentially going to lose 0.4 million in, in value. And is that is that worth just for one game week? I don't know. I'm, I'm quite happy with the, the strength and depth I've got in my team and the, the starting 11 that I'm going to play in, in the next game week. So I don't really see... It's worth selling Mane and the options that are available. And same with Trent as well. There's not really any defenders that I would particularly want for the next game week. I'm quite happy with the uh, the sort of Kelly Rico Lundstrom setup and, and the fixtures that those guys have got for the next game week. And I'm probably going to do something very boring like sell Soyuncu and uh, and bring in um, another Sheffield United defender like George Bulldog, I think, perhaps. So. Um, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy just to to bring back Trent for the next fixture. And to be honest, you know, looking at the sort of game week 18 fixtures, there's nothing enticing. You know, if if we were talking about you know Spurs playing Watford or Manchester City playing Norwich, I, I'd probably be tempted, you know, to triple up on both those teams and, and you know, you know, load up and sell a Liverpool asset to to enable that. But you know, they're they're essentially playing Chelsea, Chelsea and Leicester, so the four best teams in the league other than Liverpool playing each other. So there's, no, there's nothing exciting going on. There's nothing that I'm feeling like, you know, I've got a bit of FOMO about. I think the only player I really want that I don't have at the moment is Hung Min Son. Uh, but I think for me, I think Mane will stay in the team. I will want him for game 19. And I'm not going to take the hit on, on losing him. And, and same with Trent as well. He'll stay in the team. 
So if I sell in, because I had him since the start of the season, if I sell in, I, I think I'd lose 0.2 because based on the price rises. So mm. um, I'm ha- hanging on to those Liverpool players over the liver blank and uh, we'll have them ready for, for game week 19. But if, if it was a scenario where I had a triple up, I'd, I'd definitely be strongly considering selling one of them. Yeah, I think the triple, I definitely considering selling one of them. I just, I don't know, I can see why you, I, I can really see why you'd sell Mane, but he's one I'm not going to sell. With Trent, I mean, just looking at the fixtures up until February, um, I mean, they've got the blank, they've got Leicester away, which is basically first best second, of course. Wolves and Sheffield nice at the home, okay, should win that. Spurs away, Man nice at the home, and Wolves away before their run gets good again. So, I mean, I guess what I'm doing is I'm kind of, anticipating that people like yourself may be thinking, I'm going to hold on to this guy. I'm, going to, I'm not going to sell him. What's the point of me selling him? Whereas I freed up loads of funds and then I can afford a monster front line. Um, and that's kind of where I'm leaning into the opportunity that where there's other people who are uh, being cautious. I can take the risk and hopefully gain some reward out of that because then you're suddenly a week, two weeks behind the template if that's the way it goes, if that makes sense. Uh, so Mark, uh, FPL Puck asks us here, um, you know, if you are selling our Liverpool assets where are we going to be going with that yeah I think I think we've covered most of it but I think the natural place to go from if, if it's a midfielder I think the natural place to go is Spurs given given how well they've been doing recently so you know I've got Deli Alley and, and I'm looking like you've mentioned as well I like the idea of the Sun Alley double up as well I watched some extended highlights of the Spurs game today and if you took a freeze frame at any you know any stage during the game, it's just Sun and Ali you know up front, and, and Kane's nowhere to be seen. So I think those two offer you know really good value, uh, and, and you know their captaincy options as well, Sun in particular. So, but you know there's, there's a lot of different directions you can go. Um, you know you can no matter where you go, really from a Liverpool midfielder or a Liverpool defender, you're going to be freeing up cash. So it it it, it does enable you know maybe an overall more balanced squad. The the issue I have with defenders is. There's not that many that I like. You know, if, if I was to lose Trent, um, you know, I haven't had a Leicester defender all season, so I probably should get one of those. Uh, you know, maybe Aurier at Spurs as, a, as an attacking fullback. Um, but, but apart from that, there's, there's very little that I like. And it's probably a case of, of, like Nick said as well, just dropping down and having, having the budget, you know, your Lundstroms, your Kellys, your Ricos, and just pumping the cash into attack. And, and I, can, I can completely understand why people are doing that. And, and that's what I may end up doing. I may reluctantly sell Trent, um, so that I think that's going to be my that's definitely going to be my hardest decision when it comes to wildcard, whether to keep him or to to use his cash to maybe pump it into midfield or attack. I think the the, the fixtures just aren't like okay. It's Liverpool, and as we said at the start of the season, any Liverpool fixtures apart from Man City and now maybe Leicester um, are basically ones on the FDR because you'd expect them to beat every team, and you would expect reasonably there to be a clean sheet. Of course, they've been having issues with that recently. Um, well, it's now slightly better, but um, equally, I, I just don't know. I think that money could be better used for now. And you mentioned Aurier there, uh, the walking liability, the, the time bomb, um, the eventual red card that's coming. Um, he's the one that I am really looking at just because I quite like the idea of uh, getting in on that 12 pointer or a minus two pointer lottery every week. Uh, the, the tripling up with him, I think, is a good idea for Spurs just because, one, I trust the predictable Mourinho team over Christmas who are in form. I think that Wolves game, winning that in the last minute, would do absolutely wonders for their team, for their kind of, I know it's intangible, but their confidence. And Aurier really is looking like the man who's the extra man in attack at the moment. He's kind of a, a budget Trent, effectively. Um, 
yeah, obviously Trent's a much better player, and I'm not suggesting that Ori is the same quality of player as Trent is. Uh, but he could well fill that role, especially over those three lovely, lovely fixtures over Christmas for Spurs, um, which are, just to mention again, uh, Brighton, Norwich and Southampton, 19-21. So I'm, I'm liking the idea of a triple up there. And again, leaning into the fact that people like Nick are going to be kind of thinking, well, I want to keep my players here because I want to be uh, averting any risk. But uh, I don't want to be dragging people down the wrong path. Yeah, I think that is the challenge, you know, where it is worth worth taking that risk over the Christmas period. Because, you know, I've, I've weighed up the options as to how to, to bring in another Spurs player. I've already got two in Ali and Gazaniga in goal. And I really want Son, but, um, you know, just get how I fit him in is just impossible at the moment. I'd have to sell Madison and, and funds two million probably for a Trent sale. Or I'd have to sell De Bruyne, and I was talking about, I was thinking about selling De Bruyne up until that Manchester City game. I guess the final thing to mention on the liver blank is that quite a few people were looking at the free hit this week and thinking, "Oh, maybe that's the time to do it." If you've got three Liverpool players and you're thinking, "Oh, I don't want to do the surgery," but I mean, I, I think my initial thought is, "Don't do that." Uh, Brent Ben Quellen has said himself that um, the free hit is probably going to be better used later on in the season when there's going to be a huge blank. And the fixtures this week don't quite lend themselves to it. I mean, Mark, what do you think about that? I, I know that you're not going to be doing it, but can you see why people are looking at it? And would you ever, in any circumstance, think is a good idea? I think it's, first of all, I think whatever, I'm a big believer in whatever Ben Crellin says, you, you listen to what, what, the, what the main man says. So I can understand why people will be tempted, you know, if they log in and, and look at their team this week and, and maybe if they have three Liverpool players and maybe if they have a couple of, you know, Two, you know, even one or two bench players who who don't play each week. The temptation is there, but I think it's pretty. It's going to be pretty straightforward this season in, ter- in terms of blank and double game weeks, and we're going we're going to have a big blank game week later in the season, where the free hit will be much more effective. You know, I would happily roll with with nine or ten players this week if it allowed me to keep that free hit chip, which is which is a very powerful chip for later in the season. Um, so yeah, yeah. For me, for me, it's not an option. I think you just get through get through game week eighteen with whatever you've got, and it'll be much better later on. The, the main the main reason against it is the fixtures. I mean, what 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 kind of free hit team would you would you uh, free you know go to? I was listening to the boys on uh, Planet FPL today, and they were running through the fixtures, and you know, there's just so many games that can go either way, uh, and it's it's actually a very difficult week to even put a free hit squad together. So for me, it's a it's an absolute no no this week. Yeah, I'd agree with both of you there, to be honest. You know, free hit, I don't think it's the right time for it. This uh, this liver blank, there's going to be plenty of opportunities later on in the, the season to use it. So um, a few things for us all to think about. And uh, yeah, so Christmas approaching. We're going to have a quick discussion now about how we're going to manage over that festive period, you know, overeating, alcohol and the deluge of um, FPL game weeks. And uh, uh, Mark, as a guest, uh, what's, what's your Christmas plan generally? Um, what do you normally do over the Christmas period when it comes to FPL? Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to driving home for Christmas next, next weekend. So I'll be heading back to Ireland for, for two weeks. And it's, you know, it's going to be a lot of time spent catching up with family and friends. So it's FPL, it, I won't say it takes a backseat, but I do switch off from, from a little bit, which is, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, it's, it's tricky over Christmas because especially when you have Boxing Day and you have New Year's Day, you know, deadlines at half 11 on each of those days when, when most people are probably going to be having a few drinks the night before or all day and the night before. It's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. And, you know, it reminds me of, I think it was, it might have been two seasons ago, uh, I was out on New Year's Eve and, and I woke up on New Year's Day. I think I woke up at about quarter to 11 uh, and I seen loads of, 
yellow flags and red flags and, and, and in, a, in a hungover panic i just hit the i hit the free hit button on new year's day um, i think i think it was okay i think i ended up scoring about 20 21 points more than my team would have if, if it had a had a you know just left it the same but that that i'm not i'm not advising that that that's exactly the kind of thing you need to avoid you know get your get your team locked in before you do have a few drinks or, or before you you head on nights out and stuff like that because it's very easy to forget just quite simply easy to you know forget about deadlines as well because they come so thick and fast so one thing I, one thing i always do and i advise is is to is to write all write down all the deadlines on a post-it note on your laptop or wherever it is and or set reminders on your phone because it's you know, if you miss one game week deadline, you know it can be it can make or break your season. Um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a busy time, and, and hopefully hopefully I can manage it. It's going to be tricky for me because I'm going to play the wild card. You know, it's I I've been saying I was going to wait until game week twenty for the wild card because I don't want to play it. You know, you know Christmas Day and Boxing Day morning, or at least finalize it on Boxing Day morning because it is it's it's pretty dangerous. But very ambitious. <laughs> when when I when I looked at the fixtures then for game week nineteen, you know a lot of the players I'll be targeting. The likes of Spurs, Man United, Chelsea—all these teams have really good home fixtures in game week nineteen. So that that tells me I should probably play it there and get the extra game week out of it. But you know, I'm probably going to have to take it easy on Christmas Day uh, and, and then just save myself for after the deadline on on Boxing Day, just to make sure the wild card squad is a is a is a sensible one. That's dedication there, saving yourself on Christmas Day for FPL purposes. No, no, I'm not going to have another one, Mum. No, no, no. I've I've got to to be good for for FPL tomorrow morning. (laughs) I'll believe that when I see it, Mark. (laughs) But yeah, I I agree with you. I think just writing stuff down is so helpful. Like just, just... So you've got a record of it somewhere that you know is somewhere that you can refer to it. Uh, so you don't do something silly, as you said, you know, go off and think, oh, you know, I can sleep in because there's no deadline tomorrow. And uh, when it does come thick and fast, you do find that, especially those low, lower down the mini leagues, uh, do start to drop off around this time because they just, they've forgotten. They've forgotten to make the truth. They've forgotten to make changes. You often see people with free transfers rolled again and again and again throughout this period. People, yeah, for reasons you can understand, completely switch off. But I think for me, it's just about uh, the boring old adage of having a deep squad so you are able to deal with any kind of surprise rotation because there will be a lot of it, the dirty R word. And uh, another thing that I'm doing this year a little bit especially is I'm planning to basically make my moves uh, so I'm not making any moves on Christmas Day or slash Boxing Day or New Year's Day. So I'm going to be taking a hit beforehand, trying to basically roll on Boxing Day or something like that um, and also on New Year's Day too. Uh, this is because over the last couple of years, I've made a few terrible decisions on Boxing Day. Uh, last season, I brought in Klasinac on Boxing Day. Um, and the year before that, I brought in Willian. Both had left my team again by New Year's Day. Uh, so it just goes to show you the sort of, you know, when, you, when, you, when you've had a few, you, you're just kind of looking at your FPL team in the bathroom and you're thinking, oh, you know, I might as well just make one change. Why not? Just try and get rid of that instinct. Uh, so if I take a hit and kind of lock myself into a little plan, I think that may be a little bit of a self-help for me uh, to sort myself out or maybe take, use my transfer rather than taking a hit. You kind of see what I mean. I just don't trust myself over Christmas, basically. Uh, what about you, Nick? What are your, what are your plans? Uh, you're quite good at switching off anyway, aren't you? Oh, I try to. I was just going to say, to be honest, uh, my advice in terms of sort of the Christmas period, FPL game weeks is at the end of the day, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. It's, it's meant to be a time where you spend with your family and you enjoy festivities and a little bit of time off work. So, you, so I, I would also suggest that you try not to, when you're with your family members, I know it's hard, but try not to stay too glued to your phone, too glued to the TV and, and get too angsty if you're having a bad game week, because at the end of the day, it is a game after all, and we're all here to kind 
kind of enjoy ourselves and, and not get too stressed out. And I know that FPL can be quite stressful, especially when you're, you're having a, a bad time. So um, that would be my, my main advice. And yeah, I mean, in terms of errors, I've made errors before as well on Christmas. So try try not to do um too many sort of drunken transfers or drunken minus fours or or switch off and, and transfer out the wrong goalkeeper because I've done that before as well. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, I think that's, that's the main plan for Christmas. Just, you know, obviously keep an eye on your team. Make sure you don't miss any of the deadlines because the deadlines are coming thick and fast. I think it's game week um, 18 or 19. It's sort of 26th and 27th of December and then the next one begins the next day on the 28th. So, uh yeah, just make sure you don't miss any deadlines and, uh, yeah, have a good time at Christmas. Exactly. All right, let's take a break, then move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to go for our features. Uh, this is the Market Forces, the Over 30s and Dab Watch. Nick, you're the man across numbers. What's going on in the markets? So the most transferred in player at the moment is Kevin De Bruyne. Um, not surprisingly, after that absolutely fantastic performance against Arsenal at the weekend, um, he's had... 130,000 transfers in at the time of recording. Lots of people jumping on him, having missed out on those two goals and, and one assist. He could have easily had a hat-trick as well. So De Bruyne, very much in our thoughts again after what was um, perhaps um, a little bit of a thought about maybe a few of us thinking about getting rid of him after a couple of blanks for, for Manchester City. Um, Mark, um, what do you think about uh, De Bruyne and uh, Manchester City assets in general? Yeah, you know, I would love to know how many of those 130,000 are, are people who sold them just one week ago and are going back with their with their tail between their legs now. So, yeah, it's, um, I think De Bruyne is, you know, I've said it most of the season that I see him as a season keeper just for the simple fact that he is world-class and he's underpriced, you know, and he plays for one of the best teams in the league. So um, I think he's the go-to guy from from City. Sterling has shown signs in recent weeks that maybe he's he's going to do well over the Christmas period, but I still think he's 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 pretty hefty in price when you've got the likes of the Liverpool assets and the Spurs assets as well. So, you know, we can't really touch City defensively this season because there's just too much rotation there. Uh, I think Aguero's back in training now, so that might tempt a few people in over the Christmas period. But for me, as long as Jesus is, is fit and, and playing, you know, relatively well, you know, he's not scoring many goals, but I just don't like the, the rotation there. So I, for me, it's still KDB or or nobody from, from Man City. So not Mary's boy child then. Um, so, yeah, I think the most transferred out player um, at the moment actually um, – on the contrary, is um, Sadio Mane with 100,000 transfers out at this moment in time. I guess quite a few managers sort of going for the sale, though when you look at his actual ownership, it's um, 3 million at the moment, believe it or not, which is a ridiculous number of managers. You forget how many actually play this game. So only um, 3% of managers have actually sold um, Sadio Mane at this moment in time. Now, of course, there's a lot of inactive managers and, and obviously a few more sales are going to feed through. But it seems at the moment that um, not too many people jumping on the uh, liver blank and, you know, the likes of Mane and other Liverpool players um, leaving the squad because Mane is actually the only one um, in the uh, top five transferred out players at this moment in time. But um, otherwise, uh, Marcus Rashford also attracting a lot of owners. I know you looked at him, Tom, but Manchester United, um, next three are actually really good. Um, they've got Watford um, up in game week 18. Perhaps they are actually the team to own over game week 18. And then they've got Newcastle and Burnley after that. So, yeah, a lot of interest in Rashford. Blanked at the weekend, but definitely um, a player in form that's looking very good this season. 
Yeah, definitely. And carrying the can for a very, very disappointing performance uh, last weekend is Chelsea. There are loads of people who uh, doubled up, tripled up, expected it to be a walkover uh, with the ravaged Bournemouth backline. I think loads of people saying, oh, you know, this is going to be a very, very good result for them. Really, to me, as somebody who's been through lots of these and had high expectations, it just just felt like they were going to lose it. And they they duly did. Uh, So Mason Mount of Pulisic and Abraham have all been uh, sacrificed by many managers, 60,000 for Mount and 55,000 each for Pulisic and Abraham. And I think Pulisic especially, owners have been very, very unlucky, haven't they? Um, He's been statting incredibly well and he literally went from well-beaten to headless chicken incredibly quickly um, after that 20 points at 9 in the 8 and game weeks 10 and 12. He's absolutely fallen apart and many people will feel a little bit aggrieved about how that's kind of turned out. Pulisic is a, is a, it's an interesting one. I feel very fortunate as someone who didn't get him at all. I feel very fortunate that he he's blanked in five games. I can't really get my head around how he has. You know, watching the highlights, watching looking at the numbers, it's unbelievable. So yeah, it's Chelsea or Chelsea are an interesting one now. It's um you know they were excellent you know first quarter of the season. They started to to stumble a little bit now, so we're, we're probably going to see some you know transfer activity from them in, in the January transfer window. So, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's probably time for Pulisic to go. I think for anyone who's had him for four or five game weeks. Yeah, Chelsea definitely appearing quite heavily on the market forces there. Um, yes, just to round up the market forces, uh, George Bulldog um, attracting some attention as well, um, having uh, scored and got an assist the other week, and also Sheffield United picking up a. A clean sheet um, this week. Um, he's had 75,000 transfers in. Jack Grealish as well, another player. A lot of interest in. Um, Aston Villa have some really nice fixtures for their next four. So Southampton, Norwich, Watford and Burnley up next for Aston Villa. So, you know, Jack Grealish seems to be their talisman this season. No surprise that 70,000 managers um, have brought him in. And also... Um, Hung Min Son, we talked about a lot in the early section with 55,000 transfers in. But I will also mention um, quickly the 10th most transferred in player, which is Mo Salah. 37,000 transfers in, um, unbelievably, so far this game week. So a lot of people who obviously haven't noticed the uh, the liver blank and maybe have had a, a few too many drinks over the uh, the festive season there. Yeah, they'll probably, uh, they'll probably captain them as well. Yeah, yeah, get, get the vice cap luck their way into it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next thing to talk about is the over thirties. Uh, just briefly, and they didn't do very well. They got forty-two points. Uh, they also triple captain Jamie Vardy uh, for fifteen, uh, which is a, a bit unfortunate. Uh, but David Silva not showing up, and Cahill surprisingly not showing up tonight. I mean, the, the non-goal scoring forward, uh, David McGoldrick, uh, comes on. Didzi, who, as he's known. And uh, Moutinho comes off the bench for, for uh, David Silva. But yeah, not a very good week for them at all. Uh, Aubameyang, Ozil uh, and Willian all blanking and only Basham uh, pres- uh, giving any kind of uh, points return other than uh, Jamie Vardy. So yeah, not very good for them at all. And uh, finally, Dab Nick. He was spotted in the bar, um, had a good chat with lots of people. But how's he been doing in FPL? Did he make any drunk transfers on the way home? Now, as far as I know, he hasn't made any drunk transfers. He's still sticking with the the original lot. They're doing well for him. Uh, he, he did all right this week. He, he got sixty three points, so it looks like he's he's got a small green arrow there. Still, um, still beating me though. I am slowly catching up with him. He's he's around the sixty k mark at the moment. So um, yeah, still having a really good season there. All right, so um, that's our feature section, and we'll be back after this break. Who got the assist? That was, that was very smooth. Then. <laughs> The magic of editing will make it seem a lot better. Oh. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. If you want to join the league, the code is EIKX03. And as usual, the uh, the game's still updating, so I can't do a, a proper update, but just a few shout-outs to the uh, the guys that are doing really well. Um, Kieran Screeton looks like he's still number one with pain in the vast and got a 66-pointer um, this week, um, up to 112 overall rank, which is just absolutely amazing. And Mids um, Obul Islam is just behind him. Um, he got 66 points as well. Um, looks like he's only two points behind him right now. Um, also doing fantastically well, um, 143 overall rank. And it uh, looks like he's number one in Bangladesh as well. So well done, guys. Um, having a great season. Hopefully we can do a, a proper update at some point for all the other guys in the uh, mini league. Yeah, maybe on Sunday we'll be able to finally do it. Right, and moving on to questions. Thanks very much uh, for those questions this week. I wonder why. Uh, we, we got much more than usual. Uh, only put the rod out for about 20 minutes, got loads of questions, and brought it back in again because we have more than enough and captured the zeitgeist. Uh, the first thing to speak about this week is the Toffees, Everton, a, a long-forgotten FPL uh, team. Uh, but it looks like they go back into the wrecking again with Big Dunk uh, inspiring them or, in Moyes Keane's case, uh, annoying them. So, so Cameron and Mr. Smith asked about Everton assets. Cameron asked, is, is Richarlison worth a look? And Mr. Smith even asked if, if a defender is worth looking at. Uh, one of those, we've got to wonder, is it too soon to be uh, providing some optimism? I've seen as well lots of rumours that Ancelotti is a man slated to be taking over at Everton. Uh, Mark, what do you think about Everton at the moment? I've st- yeah, I've still got very little interest in them. I mean, uh, in Duncan's own words, they, they've put in a real shift for him the last couple of games. But for me, it's it's a wait and see, I think, until, you know, who who are they going to appoint? If Ancelotti comes in, I think that would be probably good news for us FPL managers. Maybe there could be some value to be had there, maybe, maybe in defence. But I think it's it's Arsenal next. Um well, Arsenal's a good fixture nowadays, but for me, it's, yeah, for me, it's just a w- to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I can see, I can see why people are. You know, I've seen Richarlison mentioned quite a bit this week. Um, I, I think it's it's a, it's a good strategy to to target Arsenal, and maybe for people like myself who who can take a one week punt this week, Richarlison's actually not the worst the worst pick. Uh, you could even go one step further and go crazy and give him the armband uh, against that defense. But for me, yeah, it's a wait and see. I, I think Lucas Dean went off injured uh, in the last game, so. A bit of a nostalgic pick for Christmas, maybe. Maybe Leighton Baines can come in and, and get penalties for the next couple Whoa, of games. What a call that would be. Imagine a 20-pointer on Leighton Baines. Oh, that'd be very... Well, what year would that even be now? 2012, 2013, <laughs> Leighton Baines? Yeah, what is he, 35 now? But, I mean, yeah. he can still take a better penalty than Sigurdsson. Yeah, still take a mean free kick as well, I'm sure. Maybe a purchase for the over 30s there, Tom. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. No, I, I see what you mean, Mark. I think that Richarlison would be the only one I'm interested in there. Uh, looking at the data from Fans Football Hub, um, he's third, for example, amongst midfielders for attempts in the box over the last six games. A decent XG, actually, a 3.1, scored four as well. So kind of on target there. He scored four over the last six. So that's even with uh, uh, the likes of Mane, the likes of Ali. Um, however, he's on, on for the other cards at the moment. He's still got the last couple of weeks. And... It, it does feel a bit early. It does feel like there's still a little bit of uh, flux going on there. The new manager, of course, you can jump into that and uh, try to do very well le- and do very well leaning into that. For example, when Oli took over and when Mourinho took over, is Ancelotti going to have that same galvanising effect? Hmm, it'd be interesting to see. I didn't actually want him at Arsenal for the record, um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure about them. I think I'm, I'm happily I'm going to be ignoring them for the time being, despite the fact that if I did, I did have like a one one week punt or something like that, I'd be interested in Charleston. Whether I captain him, hmm, I'm not sure I quite do that. 
Yeah, I think Richarlison, he, he is the talisman there, so he'd be the one that you'd, you'd want to bring in. And I, I guess Everton do seem slightly revitalised, what with that sort of four points against Chelsea and, and Manchester United with, with Duncan Ferguson bringing back that that fighting spirit um, that they've been sorely lacking. So I think, um, you know, you, you do look at Richarlison, he's, he's an option. You have to say he is an option, what with Arsenal at home. That that kind of is the type of fixture that you would expect him perhaps to haul. And, and the fixtures are starting to improve um, for Everton. Actually, um, from um, their January actually looks pretty decent with sort of a run of fixtures of Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, Watford and Palace, perhaps... Um, I guess with Everton, I'd say wait and see. You know, last time they had a run of really good fixtures, they were absolutely shocking. And, uh, you know, just looking at Luca Dean's performances in my zombie team, for instance, he's been absolutely stinking them out, unfortunately. He was one of my sort of picks at the beginning of the season. So he's been a bit um, disappointing um, in terms of what he's delivered. And uh, I just look at the rest of the Everton team, and I, I don't really see anyone that appeals. Maybe Dominic Calvert-Lewin as a sort of a cheap third forward as well as a bit of a punt if you fancy a Christmas risk. But there isn't really anyone else that, you know, I, I'd recommend. And I think there's certainly better options that we talked about out there. Right, moving on to the next thing. Um, Alisson, but not the Liverpool keeper. Uh, so uh, our friend and uh, I believe Mark, you've met up with uh, Paddy several times, FPL King. Um, yeah. Hobbs 3103 and German Compulter ask if Ali and Son are the new Sterling and KDB. So I've spoken about them a, a fair bit um, as part of uh, my upcoming strategy and uh, Mark mentioned them as well in glowing terms in terms of bringing them both in. Of course, at the start of the season, there were uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Sterling in many sides. And I think that uh, kind of the cut price duo of Son and Ali um, is, is beginning to look very, very attractive, isn't it, Mark? Especially for those great Spurs bits to be mentioned. Yeah, I'm always I'm always targeting those midfielders that are not really midfielders. You know, when you're when you're getting the likes of, of Ali and Son and, and you know Sterling as well, you're getting yourself you're getting yourself extra forwards for your FPL team. So um like I said, watch watch extended highlights of that Spurs Wolves game today and you know, Wolves were by far and away the better side in that game, but in terms of the Spurs attack, it was all Son and Ali in, in the final third. So I really like the idea of the double up. I wouldn't go as far as saying they're the new Sterling and De Bruyne. Um, De Bruyne, I don't think anyone will be selling De Bruyne anytime soon after that performance at the weekend. You know, he's, cap- he's capable of that in, in, any, in any game. Um, so I think De Bruyne has to stay now. Uh, but, but definitely, if you can get a midfield that has all three, Ali, Son and KDB, like you mentioned earlier, I, I definitely like the idea of that. Certainly where I'm going. And what's really interesting, actually, is I think a few people have noted this, is that Son appears to have done... I think when Mourinho went into Man United and, and Sanchez joined, he, he became a bit more creative as well, where we'd always seen him as a goal scorer. Over the last four, Son's got a higher XA and he's created more big chances than De Bruyne. Uh, so it seems like there's a bit of a, a bit of an interesting thing going on with Son, um, even though he's got Vertonghen behind him, providing that platform for him to roam. Um, as you say, Ali's the key, isn't he? Because he is the, how did Mourinho put it? A, a 10 playing as a 9.5 with uh, Harry Kane, looking to be the man creating the space for Ali to do anything. Nick, what do you reckon on that double up? I know you've got Ali looking to add Son or anybody else. So I've already got Ali. And um, just, I remember from the, the Christmas party, so many people are waxing lyrical about Son and uh, his potential and what he could do over the Christmas period. And I just came away from it just thinking, I just really need to bring this this guy in, to be honest. Like, um, just, you know, 
like fit him in my team. So I was like, right, that's it. De Bruyne's gone. He's, he's gone from my team. That has to weigh in. It seemed like such an easy way for me just to get him in. And then obviously Sunday happened. And, and now I'm just like, I don't know what to do at all. You know, like just finding sort of two million and, and selling Madison. It just doesn't really sit right with me at all. So I think um, I might have to just, just go with um, just Daddy. Perhaps it's a bit of a risk or maybe figure out some other way which I haven't thought of right now so that's that's possibly what I'm going to do I'm I'm not sure yet if they are the new Sterling and and KDB I mean as a Spurs fan um, it's great to see both the players you know in in form and and doing well um, again after a bit of a dodgy start to the season but um, you know I'm not sure if they're the next Sterling and um, KDB I'm not sure if they're the next Salah or Mane either I think they're both very very good players and uh, you know, uh, Spurs will will compete to to finish fourth for sure this um, this season. But um, yeah, I, I think um, I think the double up is is definitely on, and I reckon you know I'm gutted that I'm potentially going to miss out on having both. Well, I mean, you just mentioned uh, that there was a lot of Son love at the Christmas party, and the next question is actually all about Son, which you've partially answered, Nick. So we'll uh, uh, we'll take that as your answer for this one. Uh, lots of questions about signing him. Should he be the man to come in this week? FPL, JK, Atomic, FBL, Igwe, and nobody cares. Ask: Is it time to bring in Son? Um, is he captaincy material? Um, so he's definitely one that I've been thinking about for Chelsea. I think there's definitely only goals in that game, and I think that uh, Son uh, and maybe Ali actually. If I buy, if I buy him, I'd be more tempted to captain him over Son because I think he's at the sharp end at the moment but you know a lot of love for Son at the moment out there and is it justified Mark? Yeah I think I think Son's a bit of a no-brainer uh, at this time because I think that's I think the Chelsea fixture is great for him because Chelsea haven't been great defensively this season and then they've got that really nice run 19, 20 and 21 so as you mentioned he's been he's been more creative in recent weeks as well which which just makes him the ideal FPL midfielder you know he's, he's a greedy player he'll take a lot of shots on but now he's got the bonus of, of creating lots of, of chances and lots of very good chances as well a lot, a lot of those chances he created have been big chances so I think you know it, I put out a tweet a couple of days ago that you know Son is the one player I fear most any weekend when I don't have him because he is just the ideal FPL midfielder and I'm really looking forward to getting him in my team this week and there's, there's a very good chance he'll get the armband as well for me it's Son is as good as anyone this week I think for that Oh, I'm feeling a bit stressed now, to be honest, thinking about Son and just how I get this guy in. Just everyone seems to be just raving about him. I just can't, can't see how it's working for my team right now. But um, I think probably what I'll do is I'll see how he looks in the Chelsea game and then, and then make a decision after that one, for sure, because the next three after that are very tasty. Yeah, certainly. I, I just think Ali is a, g- a good captaincy option for you, or, or a good, or at least a good cover option. I, yeah, I can see why people are looking at Son because I, I got him in ages ago. Um, I got him in uh, basically when the week after Mourinho came in. He's been there ever since, um, and I think that he could be on for having one of those seasons that he's always threatened to have uh, fragmented seasons. He's been you know playing in Asian cups all over the place and trying to avoid national service. So I think this year, I mean, he obviously missed the first game week, but ever since he's been a fairly ever present under Mourinho. I'm sure will be playing pretty much uh, the majority of the minutes over Christmas and I'm very glad that against Wolves he and Ali were quiet because it means he's in the transfer market as well I mean Son is being bought but he and Ali together as a pair um, aren't destroying those metrics at the moment I'm hoping it stays that way so I can at least get one or two weeks uh, with that nice double up there 
All right. Uh, next question is uh, top premiums. Adam Pritchard at Free Five Who asks which ten million assets are the best for Christmas. We've kind of already spoken about this as well, and I think it's probably fair to say that we probably say Son, De Bruyne, and probably Mane. Uh, but an interesting way to further put this is uh, Vardy. Uh, and we got a good question here from Glenn Kitely. He asks, "What should non-owners do?" He hasn't owned Vardy all this time. If you've ever gotten yourself into the situation through stubbornness, through you know saying to people, well, "I commit here and now to never owning Vardy," but now I'm thinking, "Yeah, I should probably get this guy in." Spot Vardy's name for any player in the past you could have been stubborn about Ramsey, Yaya Torre. Uh, what would you advise these guys to do now, Mark? Yeah, I think you mentioned it there. Stubbornness. It's probably one of the probably one of the most important lessons to learn in FPL at some point. We all we all learn it the hard way at some point. And and it's actually Vardy who who taught me the lesson during that title winning season. Um I just went the whole season and just said, This guy is not going to keep this up. He's not going to keep it up. He can't keep scoring. I think it was game week thirty five or thirty six before I before I got him in. I, I think I still had a very good season that year. So if I hadn't been so stubborn probably would have had an extremely high finish so yeah it's um i think if you don't have vardy at this stage you need to you know you need to sit down and have a really long hard think about you know life and about fpl and about this guy vardy and you know just learn from it you know you you, you can't be stubborn with with these kind of players it's in a way it's you know it's it's getting in a player so that you don't lose you know you, you can try and be you know too clever and, and everything else but when a guy is just playing so well He's he's had great fixtures as well, so there was really really there was no excuse not to get him in. So I've got I've I've really got no sympathy for anyone who who, who has still not got him at this stage. But what is he now? He's probably over ten million at this point. You, you've probably it's it's tr- it's getting trickier now because what is it? It's City, is it City and Liverpool um, coming up soon? And, and yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one. So I I, st- I would still say just go and get him, and you'll and you'll you'll just be a happier person for it. Yeah, definitely. There's players like Lundstram, you know, in the past I mentioned a few of them that. When you are when you when you're not an owner, you are kind of spending every week weekend kind of quaking, thinking, "Oh, you know, how much is my rank going to go down when this guy does something?" It's it's never a good position to be in, just crossing your fingers and hoping for somebody to uh, somebody to blank. And I, I just think that sometimes it is about getting out of your own way and just kind of getting rid of that pride, getting rid of that stubbornness, and thinking, "Yeah, it's the best for my team." Even if I've told all my mates I'm not going to sign this guy, sometimes it is if you are kind of seriously playing. Uh, it's a good thing to swap those sort of the nice tossing and turning worrying about it for a silent night so uh, yeah I, I think with Vardy if you haven't signed him this long is there a case to kind of continue with that sunk cost and think well I haven't signed him now I've missed all those points uh, it, it is as Mark said just a defensive mood I think and probably one that I'd advise doing just about still yeah, it's the equivalent of that sunk cost fallacy, isn't it? And I do remember that season as well, um, Mark. I didn't own Vardy at all that season. I think that's my sort of worst um, overall performance since I started playing FPL properly, just not owning Jamie Vardy. And, and I nearly did the same this season as well, thinking at the time, oh, I've got Madison, he could potentially be my Vardy cover. But kind of, you know, had to just look at myself and think, well, I've got to get this guy in. And, and since, I, since I've got him in, I, I haven't looked back. And, you know, the, um, his performance, have been rewarding to my FPL team but um, you know I think in terms of bringing him in now I'm not sure you know right now I wouldn't say bring him in if you don't own him I would say look at Manchester City and Liverpool I think maybe you could get away with not owning him and maybe that's a bit of a risky thing to say um, considering the form that he's been in but you know next two aren't great for Leicester so you know perhaps if you've got another couple of Leicester assets then maybe you could take some risks at this moment in time and see if you can 
catch up on, on the guys um, that have had Jamie Vardy and have um, reaped all those dividends. You know, you could perhaps be looking at some of those other forwards we mentioned, like Rashford and Jimenez, if you don't own those guys, or, you know, another team that have a pretty decent fixture this week. Perhaps I can't, I can't think of anyone particularly. Maybe Obama Yang, for instance, against Everton. You could take a punt there and say, right, this, this might be my opportunity to catch up on, on a few people if you are. Because um, if you don't own Vardy, your overall rank's probably not great at this particular moment in time, to be honest. Yeah, maybe. I think it's still about templating, having that sort of template armour against those highly owned players like Lundstram and Vardy. There, there's definitely a case though, like for example with Rashford, the reason I bought him this week because was because of my fear that he would eventually go on to be a Vardy-like character that everybody owned uh, would be continuing to return every game. Um, the quality of chance he was getting was pretty good, it just didn't kind of work out um, on the day. So even if you get some mileage out of perhaps trying to anticipate what the next template is going to be, the only problem is is that you're in salvage op mode because of the last template destroying you so badly. Oh, yeah. God, I'm, I'm glad I got invited all that time ago and wasn't away in the manger making terrible decisions. Right, and the final question this week, and a nice segue to the end of the podcast, is FPL Dave, who asks, who is the best captain for game week 18? Uh, I've already given it a set on my stool. I think it's probably going to be one of the players uh, from Tottenham in that Spurs-Chelsea uh, game. I just think that that's going to be, uh, has the potential to be an absolute humdinger. Um, so I think that I'll be going on the sleigh ride, maybe with uh, Ali, maybe with uh, uh, with Son himself. If I buy in Ali, I'd be very, very tempted to give him the captaincy uh, with lots of people doubtless looking at Son as their shiny new captaincy acquisition. But I think Ali, Ali will be the man at the sharp end, perhaps converting the chances against Chelsea. I mean, Rudiger is back, but I mean, they couldn't stop uh, uh, Bournemouth who were without Wilson uh, from scoring last week. So yeah, I think that Chelsea wobble may well continue. Who knows? So I think there's certainly a, a few options. The Spurs assets are obviously catching um, your eye there, but I would also like to, to highlight some of the um, the options in the forward line. I actually really like um, Rashford and Jimenez as um, captain picks um, this uh, game. We just mainly because of the fixtures. You know, Rashford's playing Watford, and Watford have been absolutely diabolical this season. Jimenez is um, playing Norwich, who haven't been um, haven't actually been much better. Uh, I can I can see why looking to attack Wolves and trying to take the game to them and I, I can see that perhaps blowing up in their face a little bit as well um, and then perhaps some returns for him and there's um, he, he seems to be um, always returning even if he's never hauling and I just I just fancy him for a good game I mean looking at sort of the forwards and their goal attempts both Rashford and Jimenez are right at the top in terms of overall attempts with 51 and, and 49 I think Jimenez has been a bit unlucky only to have six goals to his name but he also um, has been creating chances he's uh, top for chances created for forwards with um, 28, um, joint top for assists for four. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually thinking about perhaps Jimenez. I'd also say Vardy's an option. I know I was just um, saying don't buy him if you haven't bought him already. But, you know, he, he does always um, look dangerous against Manchester City. And you know that Leicester are, are really good on the counter-attack. In the nine times he's played Manchester City, he's got uh, five goals and one assist, which is actually one of his better records against Premier League clubs. So... Yeah, I think Vardy's also an option there. What about yourself, Mark? What are you thinking? Just, you know, just listen to, your, to yourself and Tom there. I, I might just let my wife choose my captain this week because it's probably, it's slim pickings. You know, it's, I think, I think whoever can nail the captaincy this week are probably going to be the managers who, who can fly. It's, it's a tough one. I, I stuck my, my bus captain on De Bruyne just right after that game on Sunday. But, you know, the more I think about it, I think, you know, Leicester have been very good defensively this season. So I don't really see Man City, you know, putting three or four goals past Leicester. I've always kind of, you know, earmarked Jimenez for this game week. You know, I've had him now for quite a while. 
And one of the main reasons I kept him was for this Norwich fixture. But Norwich, again, have looked you know better in the last couple of games. Um, I like the Rashford shout from you, Nick, as well. I don't have him, but I think if I did have him, he would be right up there in my thoughts for, for the captaincy this weekend. So it's a tough one. I think if I had to make the decision tonight, I don't own the guy yet, but once he comes in, I think young men's son will, be, you know, will have a very good chance of getting my armband this week. I've sold Jimenez, but he would have been the player that... He's a player who's dependable for a return. It's just whether I think he will get you kind of 10 plus, whether he'll get you that explosion. The reason I got rid of him for Rashford is because I think Rashford is more capable of that sort of explosiveness, whereas Jimenez perhaps isn't. Jimenez will get you like, you know, six, seven against Norwich, who, as you said, looking a lot stronger. Um, Whereas I think Rashford is in against what... Well, well, there's obviously the question of what they're like against that sort of team. Um, But he's got that in his arsenal, I think, to get you a a nice captaincy return there. So I can see that. Yeah, I feel the same about Jimenez. It's, It's... It feels like a good choice, but it feels like a very boring choice that is not going to be, you know, massive. So just to throw one more name into the mix here as well, another player I'm considering bringing in this week is is Jack Grealish. And I think that Aston Villa game at home against Southampton, Southampton have been pretty atrocious defensively this season. And, you know, Grealish on penalties now, hopefully he still has them. I would expect him to still have them even after the miss uh, at the weekend. So, you know, he's, he's looked really good over the last, you know, five, six game weeks. Going back to to your, your talisman theory, he is the main man at Aston Villa. So if I do bring him in, you know, if there ever was a game week to go different with the captaincy when there's going to be quite a spread, I don't think that's a crazy idea either. No, I totally get that as well. As you said, there's lots of good options and I could very well ask my girlfriend as well to, to tell me which, which one is the best looking option. Um, well, I think she's probably looking at other reasons, right, if I say good looking option. But I mean, <laughs> my final word this week is, um, Nick, I like the Vardy you mentioned as well, um, just because I think that people are put off by captaining against a quote-unquote top six team. Um, Vardy will get a lot of space against City and that City defence is, is, is not a mean one. I'm not, I'm not worried about captaining a player against them, I suppose. Uh, same with uh, the, uh, the Spurs players against Chelsea. I think there'll be lots of quote-unquote less engaged managers who will look at the fact that they're, they're playing Chelsea and think, nah, I'm, I'm not captaining there. And that could really give you an advantage. Uh, but just to round off then, um, we've, you've kind of heard what our captains may well be. We'll see what happens after the League Cup as well, of course, midweek. Uh, but what transfers are we looking at, guys? Uh, we've all been hinting at them throughout the pod anyway. Uh, Nick, what are you doing? So at the moment, as I said, um, I'm not looking at tearing up any trees. Um, I think it's probably going to be something quite boring. Looking at the starting eleven, I'm relatively happy about it. The only thing I don't like about it is um, having to play Soyuncu against Manchester City. Um, I've got a bit of cash invested in this guy, so I'm not massively keen to get rid of him because he has been um, a pretty decent servant to the side and um, Leicester have kept uh, plenty of clean sheets. But um, Manchester City and Liverpool up next. Um, I don't really want a Leicester defender for those two games, especially um, a centre-back. So I think he's possibly going to go... Um, looking at a few options at the moment, as I said, the um, the likes of perhaps George Bulldog at Sheffield United, or I can actually even um, afford Ender Stevens, so I might go for him instead. Um, even though I think Sheffield United have a, a couple of decent fixtures, Brighton and Watford, then they play Manchester City and Liverpool, and then I'm potentially in a scenario where I'm stuck with two Sheffield United defenders for that game. So I might change things up, and it might only be a short-term move. But that's, that's what I'm looking at right now, just shore up the defence. Very, very plain and boring. And as I said, um, at the moment, um, I've got it on Jimenez um, for that Norwich game. So um, he's going to be the captain at the moment. Uh, there are 
am tempted by Rashford and Vardy. I'm also, as I said, there's so, so many different options. Very hard week for the captain pick, but you know, the likes of Ali and De Bruyne are up there as well as choices. But Jimenez at the moment is my captain pick. Uh, what about yourself, Mark? Yeah, so Wilfred Zaha has kind of thrown a spanner into the works now. It would, would have been quite easy to make my transfers this week if he had a blank. So that goal may save him from the chop because I, I had looked at, you know, I've got two frees, so Mane to Son, and I could have done Zaha to Grealish. Nice and simple, play 3-4-3 three, three and, and just bench Trent then. But the other option then would be, so I'm pretty set on Mane to Son. I think that one will happen. It's just a matter of what my second one is then. So I could go, I could still go Zaha to Grealish. Or I could go Cantwell to Grealish, but but if I go Cantwell to Grealish, it means I've got you know eight strong attackers, and I would I would have to bench one of them. So I'm I'm like most people this week defensively, it's going to be Lundstrom, Kelly, and Rico uh, bench Trent, and then I've got Tamori. So the other option would be rather than get Grealish, maybe deal with Tamori, get rid of him, get him in for someone who's got a decent fixture this game week, uh, and just play them instead. So yeah, it's a couple of different options, but. I'm pretty pretty set on getting getting young men so on. That's that's one thing for sure. Uh, certainly, you know, someone like Target, maybe you know, someone like that to get rid of Tamori. I mean, there are quite a few around that. Maybe even like you know Lewis Dunk, which you know he's going to play every ninety. Yeah, no no good getting Lewis Dunk this week though because because Lundstrom's going to get a hat trick. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's just a one if just for one game week. I'm, if I'm looking for a cheap defender, maybe I think the Newcastle Crystal Palace fixture is the one that jumps out of the page as as a nil nil. So. Maybe one one from one of those sides. Yeah, certainly you're in a bit of a unique position, aren't you, with the wild card that you can just take a pun. It's just a shame it's uh, such a boring position to be taking said pun in. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I know what you mean about Zaha. Um, uh, some stats which have emerged, which um, are bowling me over for Zaha uh, versus Bryson. He had zero big chances. He had one shot, uh, one inside the box, one on target, the same shot. And his XG was 0.06. Uh, for, for that, for the shot that he scored, which was billowed into the roof of the net, of course, an amazing strike. But other than that, it's absolutely soddled. So um, I, I'm very tempted to take the money and run and uh, move on to somebody else because I feel like every week we're going to be, uh, as, as long as you keep him, you'll be kind of thinking, oh, have Palace done anything yet? Have Palace done anything yet? If they do happen to score, we would like to get the points with Zaha. But more often than not, I just I just think having an attacking player in the defensive team, as Matthew Jones put it earlier, may not be the best thing. Um, and I'm kind of much more enamoured with that uh, with that. Spurs double up idea so that would be uh, TAA out for a defender under 5.3 for a mad reason for a mad moment over the weekend I did consider Man United defenders I saw Wan-Bissaka for example got two bonus in a 1-1 draw uh, which is pretty damn good actually um and Maguire is always threatening like 15 pointer, but I just don't think they're ever going to do it. So it could well be Aurier who comes in for TAA, who I am happy to sell. Um, that would finance Zaha to Ali and um, give me a very, very strong front, uh, front seven uh, for Christmas. Um, so that may be where, where I'll go. We'll see. I mean, I could always roll it. I do have a decent team. I do have Soanchu on the bench, so I'm not in a position like Nick is where I, I'm forced to play him. And I've got that amazing holy trinity of Rico, Lindstrom and Kelly at the back doing the business. It's just whether Zaha can move on someone better. I think at the moment, yes. Uh, so I may well end up taking that. And in line with my idea to not be making any transfers on Christmas Day, um, I, I may go ahead and do that just to save myself the uh, the inevitable disaster that a Christmas Day transfer would be. Right, uh, that's a lot this week. I just say we are. Who got this list? You can find us on Twitter at WGCA underscore FPL. You can find Nick at WGCA underscore Nick. Listen and subscribe across the following spectrum. We were joined today by the amazing FPL General. Thanks very much, mate, for coming on. I really hope you've recovered as well after last week. Thanks thanks for having me on, lads. Pleasure as always. And keep up the good work. And, and I hope you both have a, have a lovely Christmas as well. You too, mate.
Yeah, thanks, Mark. You too. Have a great Christmas. Um, yeah, if you want to join our league, the league code is EIKX03, and there's a theme to every week as well. Last week, it was Doctor Who. Yeah, we'll be potentially back with a short pod next Sunday. I think if we can find some time, it will get like a 30, 40 minute one out. But in the meantime, we hope this assists you. And if we don't speak to you before, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night or day, depending on when you're listening. Uh, but yeah, thanks very much. Uh, speak to you very soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah, that was, that was great. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.